The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Tenakato Katsu, this is Toby Manhire. It's half past ten on uh, February the twenty-first. We got together for our regular podcast this morning. Been Annabelle and Ti here, and uh, we got about I guess twenty minutes of the way in, and um, Mad Chapman um, alerted us to the awful news that Officer um, Collins. Green MP, former Auckland councillor, had died after collapsing in a charity run this morning in Auckland. Uh, we So we stopped what we were talking about and then we thought, well, look, we'll just, we'll just keep it real. So we, what you're about to hear is the podcast as intended and then we stop and that's when we're alerted to the news and then we spend a little time talking about Fanana uh, Fiso Collins. Um, so it's a bit clunky but you'll forgive us and um, yeah, uh, as we process the really um, upsetting news and um, yeah, well, you'll hear what follows. On the agenda today, Grant Robertson leaves Parliament and goes back to university. Christopher Luxon takes the pulse of the nation and national demands tougher sanctions for job seekers. Former Labour and national leaders warn that New Zealand is compromising its independent foreign policy. But first, a big thank you from me and you, Annabelle, mm. and also from you, Ben, and from UTI to all people who showed up at Q Theatre last week. Mm. for a live show as part of PodFest, thanks to Q Theatre. It was a lot of fun. Thanks to Jack Tame and me, Forbes, who we dragged unceremoniously to the stage to join us as special guest stars. Mm. The, the, the lost episode. Well, Secret yes. episode. The They're, super we are premium. Being told, we're being told that the, there was a problem with the audio feed. That's why we won't be able to share it with the wider Gone By Lunchtime audience. I suspect the lawyers have been involved. Lawyers or the deep state. Mm. Or foreign powers, mm-hmm. because there was quite a lot of ageism. There's body shaming. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of slander from you, generally, Annabelle. Yeah, it was quite defamatory. So probably, probably just as well that it's not going to make it to air. Mm. It's like the great sealed section of Gone by Lunchtime podcast. We'll, we'll recreate it. The lost tapes and put it on the Patreon. 
Um, we'll do a lot of table read. It will remain tapu just between <coughs> yeah. us and the 300 people who came. <laughs> That's right. Maybe the bootleg tapes will mm. emerge on Trade Me at some point. Mm. It'll be exciting. Uh, we will have other live show stuff coming up this year, I think. High level talks are underway. Uh, so we'll we just uh, need R- RMA changes that. so that Eden Park can be enlarged enough to, to fit the oh, live that, gone by Would that be the one that we would invite, invite show. Helen Clark to be a special guest on? <laughs> Absolutely. 660, Helen Clark joining us on Gone by Lunchtime. Uh, all right, let's start by talking about the State of the Nation, Bizzo. The task for Christopher Luxon on Sunday was to change the record, really, because the the outriggers of the coalition had been dominating the conversation uh, and it was a chance to, you know, reassert, I suppose, himself. Can it we make a, it more New well, Zealandy sounding, though, and well, stop calling it the state of the nation and, yeah. like, call it, like, just, like, the state of it? The state oh, yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> the state of it speech. Christopher Luxon addresses New Zealand about the state of it, the bloody state of it. The yeah. bloody, the, the, yeah, the, this is the bloody state of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Thank the you. Greens do state of the planet, don't they, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about what about the state of the digs or the state of the... the state of the mojo. state of the mojo. Mojo was mentioned <laughs> the, in the, the speech. Mojo <laughs> the mojo reading. The annual yeah. mojo checkup. Yeah. Well, that should be... That should be a staple, in my view, at every uh, post-cabinet press conference on a Monday. Christopher Luxon should come out and sort of measure the mojo in the room just to see how he's progressing. Because mm. already we're having a 100-day plan. Where is the mojo going to sit at the end of 100 days? Where is it going to sit at the end of one year? And what are we aiming for at the end of the term? Because you can't recreate the mojo in one term. Surely it has to be it's a increased, project. increased mojo. What, exactly. What, what, what it's got to be tracking the mojo the trajectory. Right. Yeah. The mojo trajectory. Yeah. The what, trajectory. What gets nice. measured is what matters. What gets measured we gets need, mojoed. We need some mojo stats. Mm. Who okay. is the Ministry of Stats? Minister of Stats. Hmm. It's a good Bailey? question. Bailey? That's quite a tricky question. Who's the Minister of Statistics? Let me Google it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Annabelle, people can't see you say, let me have a think. <laughs> uh, so he... Uh, uh, diagnosed the state of the nation, did Christopher Luxon on Sunday, as fragile. And then he sort of did a sort of a lot of tough times ahead. There, it's, it's, it was a kind of expectation-setting speech in a way. It wasn't designed necessarily to be his, um, his big uh, Martin Luther King moment. That's still to come when the mojo's back. Uh, it was more... Uh, Felt quite a bit like a campaign speech in a way. A lot of um, descriptions of the state that the country had been left in. Many, which, many such cases. Um, many such cases of, of speeches that sound like stump speeches in a campaign. I kind of thought, in a way, though, when the poll came out on Monday night and it showed results that were almost exactly the election result. It's kind of those of us who are going, "Come on, move it along, man." It's like, well, probably he's right. People are. People have not been paying attention in the way that we might imagine they were or that those of us who are saddos who talk about politics all the time think they are, you know? It's kind of maybe that's where it is. Maybe that's kind of, all right, let's go. We've inherited his argument. We've inherited uh, a, a mess. And he used the word fixing a lot, Ben Thomas. He didn't – he said back on track twice. He didn't use – Did he say turnaround job? 
I think he might have said turnaround job. That's what he said, what we would have called back in the... He's used turnaround job before. What he didn't use, at least in my, um, you know, control F <laughs> examination of the speech, he didn't use the word outcomes. So, I mean, that, that's crazy. He didn't use the word deliverables, which, again, he did say New Zealand's the best country on planet Earth, which is one of the jazz classics. Measurable. He did say delivery quite a bit. Though, he did say delivery. Yeah, yeah, he did say deliverables. I think he was trying. I think someone was kind of trying to make this sound like a human being speaking. Mm. Which is, um, what did you make of it, Annabelle? I'm sure you were glued to it all day, or perhaps you consumed it through six o'clock news. I don't know. What was your impression? Did you feel as though the the scene had been set? Well, um, I whipped through it at like six thirty this morning. Where you do that thing where you press the thirty second skip, 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 skip. So I yep. did that. Um, my impression was that, you know, it was the sort of speech that appeals to the party faithful and there's lots of whooping and hearing in the yep. in the background, so they were liking what they were hearing. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that he kicked off, like once he'd done the shout-outs to all his, his homies, mm-hmm. um, that he started the speech by discussing education mm-hmm. and its importance to him. Um, I... Don't think you would describe it as a soul-stirring, particularly inspiring speech. Um, It was good to hear him discuss the things that he would like to achieve as opposed to just um, what they're getting rid of. So there was was a little bit of that. I felt like it was the most um, confidence and self-assured I'd seen him, um, dropped a couple of well-written jokes. Uh, I think the issue that National has is that being a new Prime Minister, it's a bit like being on a date. Like, if you talk too much shit about your ex, Mm. i.e. the last government, Mm. after a while it starts to become a bit of a put-off. So I think, you know, it was a reasonably good balancing act in that regard, but soon they're going to have to move on from the criticism of the last regime and speak more to what you know what they're achieving as they go. Yeah, tricky one that meme. The old nine long years, or in this case, six long years, and the you know the I, I um again did a little bit of um, in some portfolios three three long years. Well, that's right, isn't it? We we the, there is that problem where you've which you raised months. at the live blog, I think, Ben that. That uh, was it on stage when it was Judith Collins and Winston Peters discussing a matter of great importance, and she made a reference to the what they'd inherited, and then quickly had to revise because, and, of course, the, the first of the first of those three years were <laughs> tickety boo yeah. in certain areas, <laughs> but the last three years, yeah. Um, but it is that that is. I, I, I did some statistical analysis on that as well, and the when the word government was used ten times, mostly in the first part of the speech, the government described was the previous one, mm. but thirteen. So a majority was reference to the my government, the government ahead, mm. and and Annabelle's right, isn't she, Ben? That you need to sort of sort of shift the dial towards here's what we're doing. So exciting times that uh, I think was the taxpayer union poll that came out at the beginning of the month showed that we were back back on track. Uh, we were back in net positive territory, and it was a slightly different yeah. measure. It was a new question that they were asking about whether you approve of the government's performance. No, but the Talbot Mills poll, the, their their um, client polling, also showed that also has back on track. Back on track. Back yep. in back in the the right track has climbed above the wrong track. Uh, the net positive. I mean, mojo. 
we're, we and and but at the same time, inflation uh, has been down, but you know the thing which is is really bearing down on the economy, which is um, the high interest rates in order to get inflation under control from the Reserve Bank. Um, we've seen various bank economists say actually we think rather than easing, it will be cranking up. The Reserve Bank's worried about core a- inflation. A- ANZ, Sharon Zolner, suggested yeah. that interest rates could go up further. And, uh, and unemployment sort of creeping up a little bit. Nope. Um, but, you know, people are, people are still finding it a little bit tough. Um, and so what you do, what you want to do is, is remember to remind people that this is all a hangover from, you know, the, the, the last uh, three to six years of neglect mm. in different portfolio areas. Yep. Um, and also you want to establish before you try and do anything that you are – it's kind of like a BMX trick. Um, before you before you do a sort of um, Napoleon Dynamite little, you know, jump off a sort of six-inch mm. ramp on, mm. on the road, you want to impress upon the watchers just how difficult mm. and mm. courageous a feat that you are attempting. And governments Spe- – Two, governments two flat tyres, chain off – Nevertheless, yeah, and and same sort of thing when it comes to the accounts. The other thing is that they've, you know, really been trying to hammer home the sort of fiscal irresponsibility. And I think um, they debuted a new figure, which was the was the Kainga Aura mm. figure, and saying that you know Kainga Aura is going to flog off, um, flog sell off, off a bunch of houses, state houses, and, and in order to try and rein its, its costs and um, and Wakatahi's budget was two hundred billion dollars. Two hundred billion. That's yeah. half GDP. That's one of those kind of you, they've just sort of added up everything that's been floated generally, right? Well, well no, they've, they've added up things that are on actual sort of plans, no matter yeah. how sort of nascent. Yeah. But yeah, some of those kind of some of those kind of monorails underground, the it, 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 Auckland Harbour kind of. If, if you genuinely believed that the two hundred billion dollar bill had been racked up, you would have to genuinely believe that the second harbour crossing was imminent, yep. and that that was something that was going to go yep. ahead. And but but then again, you know, Janae Tipshrani from the Herald had a story today um, saying. You know, even leaving that aside, in terms of committed spending and mm. forthcoming projects, mm. Wakakotahi is about two times overextended, extended in terms mm. of um, in terms of the forthcoming costs, and, and that's not just a function of the previous government and its profligacy, although it's certainly part of it, but it's also the fact that you know, National have added on you know, big expensive projects of their own in terms of their own promises. And part of that is because these big infrastructure spends, there's always a tendency to sort of say, well, we'll pay for it down the line. We'll come up with some innovative financing, whatever. Um, but ultimately somebody's going to have to pay for all of the stuff, the infrastructure stuff, the the tax cuts, you know, and, and part of what Luxon was doing was preparing the ground and saying, you know, it's actually, it's not just going to be a sort of free lunch where everything's sort of, you know, <clears throat> distributed at random like a lolly scramble or whatever. There's actually going to be some a bit of what he called tough love. I think that's up. a fine line that he's going to have to navigate to because on one hand, uh, you know, in the minds of the average voter, he's talking a lot about, uh, you know, how fiscally irresponsible the last government was and that we have these huge, you know, $200 billion holes. But then at the same time, you know, cancelling things like the Auckland fuel tax, um, talking about what deep trouble our health system is and kind of order and all of that, 
but then giving a massive tax cuts, p- potentially retrospectively, to landlords. So how, uh, you know, it's going to become difficult for voters to rationalise those two different ideas in their minds. Yeah, and the, the transport predicament that you touched on as well is coming quick, quickly down the slipway when Simeon Brown will need to announce what the transport plan is um, and whether or not the various promises that were included in the National Party manifesto can be achieved, um, given the limitations that were laid out in that piece you mentioned, Ben. The, the, the speech on Sunday was also setting the tone, providing the backing track to uh, the announcement that followed the next day on uh, beneficiaries um, from Louise Upston, uh, Minister for Social Development. And it was interesting because what it really amounted to was a letter to MSD saying, you must use the sanctions that are available to you. There was a period across COVID, I think it was, when Kamal Cipollone, previously in the role, said only use them when necessary. I think that was the, the I edict. think it was prior to COVID. Was it prior to it, COVID? It, it was part of the kindness manifesto. Okay, good. Was e- easing up. And in, in, originally there wasn't even an instruction. There was just Carmel Cipollone said at you know, a press conference with Jacinda Ardern, you know, oh. we expect that case managers will take a kinder approach. Right, okay. To so, like a mojo directive. So <laughs> this, so this been the, I mean... We we are expecting to come in the months, years ahead, a traffic light system that was promised for, yeah. for sanctions, love some traffic lights, and also some targets that Upston is promising to come up with. But so is this more than just a waving of hands? Is this obviously, presumably, there is a... A, a ripple of satisfaction when the headlines come out, crack down on beneficiaries. That's part of resetting the tone. That's part of uh, the, the ambition. Is it more than that? I mean, it will have effects on the ground. It will have impacts on beneficiaries. It will have impacts probably on the total number of beneficiaries. Um, you can, you know, in terms of, you know, there, there are sort of the structural regulatory things you can do. You can change benefit levels, raise them. They've gone up pretty significantly over the last uh, six years. Of course, um, National has decoupled uh, the benefits from wages and repeat them increase, yeah. to inflation. Yeah. Yeah. And, or they are going to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The yeah. end. But, but but look, on the ground, in terms of the experience that somebody uh, either applying for or on a benefit, this will have, you know, this this could potentially have significant impacts, especially if they have missed their targets in terms of, you know, applying for jobs, turning up to, to workshops, uh, yep. things like that. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing will depend, first of all, on the circumstances of individual people and also how you see the system as a whole. Um, the, but, but in terms of everyday experience, yes, just writing to case managers to sort of redirect their approach to essentially, you know, under the previous national government, there was simply a target to try and move people off, uh, move long-term beneficiaries off the benefit. And when you give 
public servants a target. They will try and meet that with whatever levers that they can. And so I think the general consensus is that the apparatus of the welfare state uh, became much more hostile to people either getting on or staying on benefits. Um, there were these very, the forms were something like 60 pages long to complete. You know, a lot of people couldn't do it without sort of assistance, particularly you know, if you're the sort of person who will end up on a long-term benefit. You are probably not in the sort of higher education echelons, things like that. Um, and also you can have you can exert a great deal of uh, influence over the quality of life of somebody who's on a benefit as their case manager, right? I mean, I was on benefit when I my girlfriend and I were both on benefits when we left university, right? Because we didn't, didn't, didn't have jobs, right? And she was she went on the the so-called artist's doll. Um, which was, you know, sort of sold as this way of creating, you know, creative pathways to employment. I think it was, it was called pathways to artistic right. and creative employment. Some, some impressive people came. What what <laughs> and, what, and what, I, what, I, what art was your girlfriend at the time practicing? She's a dancer. Dancer. Oh and my god! I, and Wonderful. I and I and what I. What kind? What? Sorry, this is important. What form of dance? Ballet. <gasps> and Ooh. I wow. and I and I went on the just the benefit benefit. Were you and, dancing? And, and, <laughs> dancing. What was your what 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 art form were you practicing? Well, my my on case, the side. My case manager said to me, you know, oh, you know, what are you, you know, uh, what sort of jobs are you looking for? And I was like, well, I've just finished with a law degree, so I'm getting qual. I'm getting my um, you know, entry to the bar or whatever. And she looked at me and said, oh, well, you won't be with us for long. I never heard from Wins again. Ah. I was on the benefit for like seven months. Mm. Meanwhile, my poor girlfriend at the time. She, like other artistic people, had been like lured out into the open as somebody who never intended to get a real job, and, <laughs> and she she was summoned to things. You know, every I think twice a week she had to come in, and they'd send her on things saying, you know, well, you know, have you ever thought making coffee can be artistic? And then you know, teach her how to use an espresso machine and things wow. like that. And you know, I had a great time on the doll. She had a terrible time on the doll, right? And. So, you know, the, the, the experience in terms of the and, – and, you know, it goes both ways. First of all, with people who have had problems with uh, getting into employment. Something must have happened. Is she coming in? Yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry to interrupt there. We were just um, uh, got news in the middle of a podcast recording, really awful news. Um Shocking and upsetting news that Ephesa Collins, a Green List MP, has died um, uh, this morning um, in um, downtown Auckland. So we're going to stop the pod there. The, we can come back to discuss um, uh, Grant Robertson and uh, AUKUS and all that. And just, just so we're going to we're just, just briefly. I mean, a few thoughts on Ephesa Collins, Ben. You. You knew uh, Efeso, who who leaves a, a a wife and two young daughters, and and who uh, was a really important councillor um, in Auckland, and uh, went on to contest the mayoralty unsuccessfully, and then went into Parliament as a Green MP, where he's been just for a short time. You first encountered him at, in, on campus at. Auckland University, yeah? When, when I was a first year, one of the first people that I ever remember seeing at university was Efeso Collins, and I think he was I think he was handling, handling enrolments or something and, and working on that, and he was just this sort of larger-than-life figure, mm. you know, sort of exuded charisma, 
Um, he was the, the, he set up the, um, Auckland University Pacific Island Students Association, mm. um, a year or two after that sort of just single-handedly led that just, um, you know, he was just an incredible presence, um, you know, marked out as a future leader, even, even, you know, you could just see it just, you know, yeah. and, um, I hadn't seen him for many years uh, until we started doing. So he started um, as a counsellor. He started doing sort of punditry on on you know the shows like Q and A and The Nation, and just such an incredibly warm um, and decent person. Um, and obviously, we were on the other side, uh, opposite sides during the Merrill campaign, mm. and just such an incredibly you know friendly, mm. uh, just a fantastic, fantastic person, mm. and. Um, uh, yeah, this is uh, extremely sad. Annabelle? I only met um, a fair saw a handful of times, usually in green rooms and places like that, mm. you know, um, through his um, commentary. But he's someone that I had long admired. Um, really... I think in a, an embodiment of Polynesian excellence, someone who um, who uh, represented his communities with such um, mana and passion and dignity and charisma, and I just feel so aroha, obviously, for his ainga, his his family, his communities, and. For all the people who, whose hopes and aspirations he carried and represented so beautifully. Mm. Thank you, Kiara. I was lucky enough to um, interview Efeso at his home in Otahu, um in early January when he uh, when he announced that he was running for the mayoralty. And at the time, he uh, was still kind of recoiling a bit from some death threats that he'd faced, he and his family, um, and had had discussions with his wife, Fia, about uh, whether or not to continue in politics. Uh, and they'd discussed it at length and with uh, talked to their daughters too, I think, his um, wall covered in photos of his little girls, and decided to decided to pursue pursue things. Um and, and he, he 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 came second in the mayoral election, but this was he was just sort of beginning the next chapter, I, I think, and uh, keeping a, a relatively low profile. But um, it's this is a an incredible political career, potentially cut short. Um, we don't know what what he got to next, and and I guess uh, yeah, just to just to send a aroha to his colleagues, especially his family. Um, um, he'll be. He'll be. He was a really important figure in in in, in New Zealand side in politics, and we'll we'll miss him. Mm-hmm. Here's his campaign song from the 2022 mayoral campaign by Church Boys. This one's for you, Fess.
Kia ora e tewi, te ai he Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.